0: It's gone sideways.
1: Well, uh, Shad, thank you for coming on. Shit's gone sideways. Oh, Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure <laughs> to be here. An honour, to be <laughs>
0: honest. A um, little bit disappointed I didn't get asked to do this earlier. Well, I mean, we, we we talked about it right for a while, didn't we? Mm, but then you started hitting your fame with your oh, I do jokes about me going to prison, and <laughs> oh, and all of a sudden you're too big for one of the OG customers. Well, you haven't been <laughs> in Sydney, also. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that
1: is fair. But yes, uh, so it's funny, um, you know, seeing when I first started getting into comedy and uh, knew that you were already, you know, been doing it for years. Mm. Um, it was it was interesting to be able to chat to you about that because, yeah, obviously we, we went to uni together. We were in Bathurst. Do you know um, Dave Boyle, who's been on this podcast as well? Went to CSU. Really? Yeah, yeah. He he was he lives. Um, where you live. Do you live somewhere else on campus? There's uh,
0: weirdly in my time of moving around the country, the like the web of that CSU era of like party university is mm. stretched.
1: This is very far. This is Charles Sturt University in Bathurst, for anyone that wonders. Yeah, um, which is a shit uni now, apparently.
0: Really? Apparently, it's like dead, and the city's dying. Oh wow! Um, it was propped up on, <laughs> on drug taking twenty year olds <laughs> for too long.
1: <laughs> R.I.P. Wow. Uh yes. So your trajectory, you've been you've been involved in comedy for how many years you've been doing it now? Uh
0: I've been I say I say probably like
1: eight, I reckon it's probably been eight
0: years. This yeah. is probably my eighth year since doing like consistent open mic type stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I first had a crack in Darwin and then uh I did like three gigs or something. I was mm. convinced by a comic up there, Amy Hetherington, real early days. Mm-hmm. And uh I, yeah, I was doing radio at the time, decided to do it as just like a radio thing and then was like, oh, this is way better. And Mm -hmm. then uh, I got a job in Cairns, thought that there was already a little open mic scene there and there wasn't. So I didn't do stand up again for probably about a year or so. Yeah. And then probably a year and a half. And then I started a little room with some people up there and then that kind of blew up into a little scene and that was the only way I did gigs until I... Finally ended up in Brisbane doing it more consistently as well. Were there
1: good crowds coming to those shows in Cairns?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. I think like we would consistently – the one I was running originally was like once a month and it would kind of pack out and then uh, my mate Pete that I do a show with, Peter James, he started a little Monday night one that went weekly and that now is 50 people every week. It's Mm. sold out. I think it's been sold out nonstop for a year and a half now maybe. so. So it's got a bit of a cult following. And it's a real comedy-savvy crowd in cans. It's kind of funny. It's like- Really? Because it's grown, the scene grew and the crowds kind of grew and it had like a little bit of a, what do you say, like an underground kind of vibe to it. Yeah. We'd we'd get a lot of people that were audiences there that wouldn't even go to the showcases that would come up, wouldn't even know that they were on. Mm. And then like that kind of grew and then through what Pete's been doing, they've had like he sends, because he's a bit of a comedy connoisseur, He'll send up like people that'll MC or headline like Dan Rath. Is that
1: Laughing Heart? Is that yeah, what Laughing Heart. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll
0: he'll bring up like a, a Dan Rath who's quite out there, different. Yeah. And then it'll be you know Jacques Barrett who I reckon's pound for pound the best comedian in the country, yep. alongside Luke Heggie and stuff, and those guys will go up and do sets. So it's like this good. Good mix that you've got a crowd that's just up for whoever's coming
1: yeah that's cool yeah i'd so. be very keen to do cans at some point that yeah. sounds like it'd be a lot of fun well man i'll put you in touch <laughs> <laughs> thanks mate i'm not
0: gonna promise you anything mate but i'll,
1: I'll let you Let's <laughs> see what you can do mate. <laughs> so wh- when you're working in radio how did you how did you how did you, how did you get into that uh, pathway of working in radio well,
0: the uni degree that you and I studied did uh, fuck all for me, really. So, <laughs> what were you studying? I was actually studying radio, which was weird. Yeah, okay. The yeah. um, it was, like, it was a communicate, was glorified communications, like advertising degree, pretty yep. much. Um, I got out of uni, didn't work in it, but I always kind of wanted to do it, so I did like community radio for a bit. And was like,
1: yeah, I really enjoyed it. What what was your role at Community Radio? Announcer? Yeah. I
0: did. I did. It was actually probably, I think, one of the funnest times I had doing radio. Why? It was, uh, it doesn't sound like it would have been fun because it was kind of a shit period of my life. But I was doing like, I was working for Channel 10, scheduling ads, nine to five, earning fuck all money. Yeah. And then every Friday I would I've done
1: that before. It's a really boring job. Oh, it's so boring. Yeah.
0: But at the time, Channel 10 had that one sports station. Yeah. So you just like have sport going- you're just like fucking sitting around doing whatever. Mm. But uh, I'd finish work on a Friday and then I would drive down to the Central Coast, to Gosford, and I'd do a community radio show during the graveyard shift on a Friday night. So it would be like, I want to say it was like 10 to 1 on like Coast FM. Do you ever get figures on how many people are listening? (laughs) No. But, no? but, but judging by the phone calls I get, mostly hard style fans who are about three pingers deep. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd do an hour of hip hop requests. Yeah. And then it'd get to midnight or whatever. And then I'd, I used to do a t- countdown clock. So I'd be like, all right, you know, lock, because they had lockouts down there. And like Terrigal was the only place you could really kind of go out for a good time in Erin, a Woodford at the time. And I used to be, I'd do a countdown. Mm. So I'd be like, you know, it's 15 minutes until lockout. So if you're getting in the car, like if you're not in the car yet, if you're at kick-ons or whatever, we're like kicking off, get in the car, start heading in. Yeah. And I just get calls for like requests and <laughs> and then uh, I got like – I got some mates that um, – actually some friends we went to uni as well to come down and just DJ to like just fuck around for a bit while we're down there. So it, w- it was really fun actually. So I did that for a while. Yep. And then uh, kind of – bunch
1: around some work and shit, and then when I is kinda... that, was that community radio, is that paid or unpaid? <laughs> it's
0: unpaid. It's, it's completely volunteer.
1: <laughs> so yeah, just doing it because you love doing it. Yeah, I
0: was yeah. just like, this is sick. And to be honest, mate, I didn't have enough money to go and do anything in Sydney. Yeah. I was earning so fuck. I was earning fuck all. Like yeah. it would have been less. I reckon it was like I was hanging out less than eight hundred a week or something. Mm. And when you like pay in Sydney rent, like. Even back then, it was fun. There's not much left, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, "This is just something good I can do on a Friday night and enjoy myself." Yeah. And then uh, I kind of, a few years later, I kind of bumped around a bit, and then I was a bit disillusioned with what I was doing, and um, I kind of got into the idea of like doing a little extra study to try and up my skill set and get a job, actually on the announcing side of it. Yeah. So I went and studied for a year, probably the busiest year of my life. I was doing nine to five study at uh, afters at Moore Park. And I also had a job driving. the- That's the Australian
1: Film Television Radio School. Yeah, sorry, yeah.
0: thank you for clarifying. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I'm just in a chat, mate. You know, <laughs> I'm not going go to go the breakdown down everything, but <laughs> keep up,
1: people. All right, um, this is well, we're just helping our international yeah. audience. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, like five guys in America <laughs> or something like that. One guy in Brazil. Australian Film Television Radio
0: School sounds a lot more posh than it is. Mm. Uh, but no, I was, I was doing that, which was nine to five, same time I was driving the Chocky Milk. Icy cold Kansas of Coke car for Today FM and Triple M, uh, the radio stations in Sydney. Yeah. And uh,
1: afterwards- what, what do you do with the- what, what does that mean? You drive around giving out free shit?
0: Yeah, so back when like Kyle and Jackie O were on Today FM, I'd drive out to Parramatta, I'd hand out yogurts and a newspaper at the train station. Fuck. And then uh, get in the car, <laughs> drive it back, park it at the World Square and Town Hall get on the bus at the time out to Moore Park, study till five, and then I'd finish at five and I'd go to Zetland to a bottle shop and I'd work there till 10, 11. And then uh, I'd do that uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'd do that and I'd still be studying the other days of the week. And that was just my life for a whole year while I studied with the idea of, oh, I'm
1: going to get this radio job
0: at some point. Uh, yeah.
1: So you just yeah ate shit for a year, you just had to just grind, grind it out. Yeah, yeah, but I
0: was I was living in. I actually was probably the best time I had in Sydney to be honest. There's something about like you just make shit work. Do yeah. you reckon it's like even now it's like when you were poor and you had no money, you still seem to get stuff and yep. like get food and have fun, have fun and somehow figure it out. And I'm then s- when you get more money it's like you still don't have any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like,
1: like, I know, I, yeah, you know, I know I mean? a lot about it's like that. I don't
0: understand how that happens. But yeah.
1: The more money I ever made, the more f- <laughs> dumb ways I found to spend it. Yeah. 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 There's a sliding scale for I, sure.
0: I loved it. I was, like, I was really enjoying myself um, going out and living in a good part of Sydney and then the end of the year came and there was no job. So I was, I was so devo. So you applied for radio jobs and you're just, just like no. How many, how many did you apply for? A uh, fair few, I was kind of earmarked to, I still remember this, I was. I was. I I did an internship with Today FM and Triple M on mm. the back end of my course and like I think I was like 23 at the time or something and it seemed like it was all good. I've been working for them. Yep. Now I'm doing the internship but then what I quickly realised was it was just more we can get this guy to work for free now instead of actually paying him mm. and a lot of non-communication between the two departments I worked for. And I remember at the end of it, you did two weeks there and then you're supposed to like give you a air check, which is like your audio demo of you being like, hey, this is Katy Perry, like that kind of shit. And you give it to them and, he's, <laughs> and then they're supposed to be like, you know, this is good, this is bad, this is what we might have on offer, are you willing to move? And I was having to move anywhere in the country. I didn't give a shit. Um, and I remember I gave him the thing and he sat down and this guy uh, – was like across from the table, he listened to the tape and then he he just, it was the most brutal, they call it an air check. It was the most brutal air check. He was just like, he'd listen to a bit, he'd stop and he'd go, it's not very funny, is it? And then he'd play again, a like, <laughs> bit clunky, and then he'd go again. And then, like, I've been studying for a full year, learning how to do the panel, learning how to do the announcing. I've been working for these guys, I've even done a little bit for them on air. And this guy had such disregard for me. He didn't even know how I'd been here working. That's how he spoke to me. It was the end of my internship and he goes, yeah, I think like during your internship you should probably go downstairs and practice in the studio that we have. And I was like, this is the last day of my internship. And he's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, I don't know how to, can't help you then. And that was it.
1: (laughs) And I was just like. Fuck, man.
0: <laughs> like what a waste! What of a, a way year. to make someone
1: feel like a piece of shit. Oh,
0: dude, it was so brutal. I remember leaving that, being like, "Fucked." I'm like, I was leaving my my best mate Coops, so, like you know, as well. Yeah. And uh, and I was just, I was so bummed. I remember I went out, and I got so fuck eyes, <laughs> like just like whatever. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, like a couple of things happened between then. My, my mate of mine got a job in Darwin, and then it was just kind of a. Good set of circumstances. He went up there. We got along really well, and and he kind of kept pitching and pitching. And then they, eventually, were like, "Look, we got this job. Doesn't suit your skill set, but if you're willing to produce a talkback radio show for three hours, we'll let you do a two three hour um radio show of your own in the afternoon." And I was like, "Sign me up!" So I moved to Darwin. So what radio station is that? That was um that was for Mix One O No. Uh, Mix something, Mix and Hot FM in Darwin. All right. In the Territory.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So hold on, you were moving from, you were in Sydney and then you agreed to go to Darwin. Backed up my shit and moved to Darwin. Um, I imagine it was for fuck all cash.
0: Yeah. I I was doing breakfast. At one point I ended up doing breakfast radio in Darwin within about, I think, six or eight months. Yeah. And they were paying me $42,000 a year and I asked for a pay rise and they laughed at me. (laughs) <laughs> Unbelievable,
1: mate. They're like, mate, you. Unbelievable. You're lucky to be here, cunt. Yeah, yeah. crazy,
0: <laughs> crazy attitude. Yeah, um, but then I got picked up by Cairns, which was kind of where I always wanted to end up. So, so how long were you working in Darwin for? Uh two years, roughly. Yeah, about two years. And, and then... what was
1: and what was it like living there? Awesome.
0: Yeah, I got to live in Darwin when it was like peak Darwin. Like oh, yeah. it was. Uh, the mining money was rolling. Everyone mm. was rich. The rental prices were as big as Sydney. People were just like, eh, like, you know, it was really cool. I used to skate to work in the morning because Darwin's just two streets, really. Skate to work in the morning. Um, just, I, I, man, I was burning the candle at both ends. You go out, party, like, you know, you're in your early 20s. Mm. Go out and party until, you know, 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. And then you go in for a quick kip and then, Roll your ass into like, the radio station in the morning to do a breakfast shift. Yeah, it was sick,
1: man. It was <laughs> like you just do whatever you wanted. I'd heard, I've heard guys talk about like um, the the scene for like. Um, clubbing and chicks in Darwin It's like yeah. there's so the ratio is so many more dudes than women, unbelievable. That uh, what six they, to one I think it is. Yeah, that they call like a you know a Sydney five is like a Darwin ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> 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 there's definitely that. Yeah.
0: I think my mate Amy has a great joke about where she's like, yeah, six to one ratio. It's like. So it's like good odds but the odds are no, <laughs> Supply no good. Supply <laughs> and demand, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, fuck. It was good, man. I I had a great time in Darwin. My favourite, uh, one of the best nights out in Darwin you can have is at um, the gay nightclub. I hope it's still running. The gay nightclub called Throb, which is the best name for a gay nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be the best night out. I mean, you go into Throb and they do like a, Throb. they do a drag show. Yeah. But it'd be like it'd be a, just a club, and you are like dancing on the dance floor, having a great time, and then out of like it's the same time every night. But all, I remember I went to one theme night, and it was called Batman and Throbbing. Love a pun. That's amazing. Love a pun.
1: Batman and Throbbing at Throb Nightclub. Batman club.
0: and Throbbing at Throb Nightclub, and you are just on the dance floor enjoying yourself. Best music because they wouldn't only just play you know Neo or whatever. <laughs> And um <laughs> all of a sudden you'd just be dancing and the music would stop and then you just hear this, get the fuck off my dance floor. <laughs> and it's just this what? miscellaneous was his was uh, was the name. I remember cause I used to hang like meet him a lot, it was quite famous in Darwin at the time, would just come out and be like, should shoe you off the dance floor, like proper, because there was a carpeted line. And if you were like sitting on be like, get the fuck off. They get off and then, like, they just do a drag show on the dance floor that you were on for about 15, 20 minutes. Wow. And then that would end and they'd be like, all right, fine, back on you go, the music would start. And people are loving going, it. Nuts. Yeah, man. <laughs> it was sick. It was so good. But, um, yeah, I had a great time there. I, I yeah, did all sorts of weird shit, pissed off politicians and all that kind of fun, crazy stuff on a radio station. It was yeah. quite exciting,
1: yeah. Um, and... So, what, yeah, tell us about some of those times with the politicians.
0: Well, you know, it was probably foreshadowing what happened to me in Cairns now that I think about it. Yeah. In Darwin there's like they've got a chief minister rather than a premier like every, like, like states do. Yeah. And because it's like this essentially a small town, uh, they've got, they call it the wedding cake, it's the um, parliament house. Yep. And it's like you can just spot it in the main city of Darwin, like CBD. And because of how Darwin is, there's like Darwin famous. Right. So every politician is pretty much known they wander famous. around. Like the chief minister would be out like, and, and there was like the, the scandals that you see in a federal level in this country have already happened
1: mm.
0: in like a little territory level there. Yep. Like when I was there, they had, uh, I'd, I'd arrived just after the chief minister had rolled the past chief minister while he was on holidays in Japan. So the guy came back from a holiday and they're like, oh, we voted you out. And
1: he got knifed. He yeah, got knifed. Okay. Yeah. And
0: then that same chief minister got knifed at like 11 o'clock at night, refused to step down, and by four in the morning did a press conference with the guy who tried to knife him by his side what? now he's, as his deputy. Oh, <laughs> like, Yeah, like it's just like this type of dumb shit. And then at the same time he was sleeping with his media manager, so you're just watching her, like he got her pregnant, so you're just watching her gradually... Look more and more pregnant at every press conference, while his wife's like,
1: "Oh, I want that hadn't
0: hadn't hit the news yet." Oh no, it was known, but mm. like the media people, they'd have they'd invite the media around every. I think it was like at the end of sitting every whatever it is quarter or whatever, mm. and the media people would go there and get blind. And like I sat in the speaker's chair once. <laughs> 'Cause it was just drinking. What? So it was Caridine just like a it was,
1: it was just a known thing that was not released. It oh was man, not- there's heaps of that type um, of stuff. The
0: treasurer got um stood down because he called a, a gay staffer a, a shirtlifter. Like just <laughs> like documented. Like yeah. it's just stuff like that would happen all the time. Like they're just outrageous. Like they're mental. Um and I remember when the chief minister knifing happened, I like did like a really awful parody song, but it was like scathing of, of the chief and the guy that I ran the I was doing breakfast on the other radio station and the guy that I used to produce would do all the politician chats and he loved it so much that he got me up onto his show with my co-host and played the song to the chief minister while the guy it tried to a him Was a song specifically
1: designed? for Yeah,
0: it was straight at him, just oh. like just completely okay. about the whole How situation. How did the song come about? Um, well, I was just watching what was happening and just laughing. You, ma- you, was your, you made the song? Yeah, yeah so okay. me and yeah. my mate Harry wrote it and it was just a parody of – I mean, how original! Commercial radio stations doing a parody song, <laughs> awfully. But it was just a parody of the Real Slim Shady. But it was the real Chief Min, like Real Chief Minister, yeah. and it was just, just documenting the process of all the things that happened in the course of that six months leading up to what happened. And uh, it got played to him live on air with the Chief Minister and the Deputy who tried to knife him, sitting there explaining themselves as to why everyone should be okay
1: with. What Did they happened. find it funny or not? No, <laughs> <laughs> <Not at all.
0: laughs> didn't find it funny. No. Three months later, when he came on my show and I played it to him again, <laughs> oh, f- <laughs> so I got yeah, I got in a bit of shit for that. But <laughs> yeah. So politicians and radio with me, I'd, I'd get in trouble a bit yeah. for yeah being a little <laughs> bit too cheeky uh, back then and then I'd learn a few years later also not to be too cheeky again.
1: Yeah, so you you, <laughs> so you spent two years in Darwin and then you went to Cairns and so how did that um, job opportunity come up in Cairns? Uh, I
0: had a mate that did breakfast there. I had two mates that did breakfast there and then uh, one I used to work with in Darwin, another I just knew through the traps of radio and uh, he – Decided to leave that show to go overseas, and yep. uh, my mate that I knew just suggested me for the job, and I ended up um, demoing for it and
1: got it. So. Great! So that was a, a breakfast show,
0: yeah, breakfast radio in Cairns. Mm. So on, oh, nah, it was hot, and I think now it's hit. Cool, so they love it. <laughs> you know, just change a vowel, guys. Complete rebrand.
1: What, what kind of stuff goes into like uh, putting together a, a radio show? Like, what what does it look like in terms of? Do you sit down every morning like early and plan it out or is it shit you do in the afternoon? Like I've got no idea. How do you, how do you prepare at your show? Uh, I mean we we're regional radio so there's no producers yeah. uh, in regional radio.
0: So, so you, you're just doing it yourself? It's just you and your car host. you got a whiteboard. You just kind of write some shit up on there. And So
1: what hours are you on air? Uh, at the time we were five 5.30 till 9 I believe. 5.30 till 9 in the morning. Uh, and so when do you, when you're whiteboarding, is this after your show and for the next day? Or, yeah. So you'll yeah. do like, you'll
0: kind of half plan the show for the next day. So it's easy. So you don't have to get in until, you know, quarter to five or whatever, or four 30, mm. um, depending. And then in the morning you'd kind of fill the more day news of the day type shit would go in and stuff
1: would get bumped out and moved to the next day. If it's evergreen where it's like, it doesn't matter when it gets done. Yeah. Um, so if there's like burning things in the news agenda that you need to talk about, you can just chuck, chuck that in. And yeah.
0: evergreen stuff like fucking, I don't know,
1: like what's what's those old classic
0: radio tropes? How do you have your Vegemite? That kind of <laughs> shit can be done at any time. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah, that just keeps getting moved back and back down the list. And then, yeah, and in the morning you'll kind of re-jig what you're doing and then, uh, yeah, mic's on, off you go. Yeah. But then you don't just finish and get to go home. No, what, do you, what Like the Metro that? guys and stuff get to finish and probably at best spend an hour mm. at home unless they've got something pressing they've got to do for the most part. Yeah. Um, so what are you doing after your show? You're doing what producers do in the major cities. Uh, you'll be planning interviews and stuff for your show or recording them. But also, uh, especially when I started, you had a second job. Yeah. So it was like I was production. So well, like for the for the breakfast show, I'd cut up all the promos for the shows so the little best ofs and stuff. And the podcast and that. And then my co-host would do like a bit of planning, interview sourcing, socials, um, all sorts of different stuff. So you'd do that other job for X amount of time?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think a lot of people think, you know, that there's just the bit where you're on air. Yeah. um, But there's a lot that goes on underneath the surface.
0: When you're in those gigs, those gigs are few and far between now though I feel like. There's not that many regional gigs left.
1: Um, but well, yeah, They're all syndicated from bigger. A markets.
0: lot of them, like and the hit one that I did, that's cool. not local anymore. That's all done out of Townsville, maybe. But um, yeah, but like you know, there's um, there's not that many local breakfast shows left in the country. They mm-hmm. downsized a fuck ton of them. So, right. um, but yeah, that used to be the. Do, do you the think way. that's a bad thing? Um, yeah, like yeah, I think it's like it sucks for um. For people that want to try and do that, I think there's like a viability thing. I, I think it kind of robs it from the towns because mm. um, it's kind of hard to be the every. I don't know. Towns love their radio station, mate. Like local towns, like yeah. they they froth it because yeah. it's because it's there's an element of like you're. Like, one thing I liked about it, which sounds kind of stupid, but like I, I coached a little local footy team when I was up there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you'd go and, you know, like I'd go to do that on the weekend all under sixes at the Cairns Kangaroos. And like you do stuff like that. You'll do, you know, a community run or something or a fundraiser or or you'd talk about fun events that people are putting on and things like that. And like social media is obviously a great way to get word out for stuff. We all know that. But there's something about the radio being involved in that kind of stuff that was really fun and exciting. And I think that those kind of moments – don't really exist anymore when you have these big fat syndicated ones. They're a little bit harder for them. It's not their fault. Like, yeah. they're just, you're in one town and you've got to try and cover broad enough to go, yeah, we're taught. Talk- like, I got mates that are doing a show that's for all of regional Queensland. Mm. Well, like, it's a big, like, yeah, Townsville yeah, to hell. Cairns mm. is four and a half hours on a good day. Yeah. So it's like a lot of people think that Cairns and Townsville are right next to each other. They're fucking not. And then Mackay to Townsville is almost the same. So it's like there are differences to these places. There is a lot of similarities, but it's like, you know, what's going on in Cairns is very different what's going on in towns?
1: Yeah, right, and there's a lot of local stories that yeah. kind of spread between all those towns, yeah. right? Yeah. So
0: I think that's probably the shit thing. Yeah. But, you know, also they were paying people fuck all, so I don't know why they were saying it was so expensive to run. <laughs> 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 so, you know,
1: whatever. And how long were you there for in Cairns? I was in Cairns for four years. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love Cairns. Did you have more fun in Darwin or Cairns?
0: Uh, Cairns. Yeah? Yeah. I liked Cairns more than Darwin. Yeah. I think I always wanted to go back to Cairns. I kind of lived there when I was real little and my dad and my mum used to always talk about how good it was living in Cairns. So I kind of had this idea of wanting to go back there when I was in my like teen years and stuff. Yeah. So it was cool to be like, oh, I'm going to go to the place that. I kind of wanted to go in the first place, so that's really cool. Is it beautiful? Is it scenic? Yeah, yeah, it's great, mate. It's the best. It's like sunny weather's great. It's thriving. There's always something going on. That's what I loved about Cairns. There was always something happening. That's you good. go anywhere and there was shit going on, you know. Yeah, and then you obviously got you know the reef and then you got the range, rainforest, and
1: and while you were doing the radio there, were you do there was a period we were also doing comedy there at the same time. Yeah, so about a year or so in, I started doing stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really want to yeah, do so, it. That must have been a, a fun point in your life. You're doing, you're doing radio, which is something you dreamed of doing and you studied to do, and then you're also doing comedy as well. Mm. Oh, sounds like you would have been pretty satisfied, right, with your life? Are we ever satisfied, mate? <laughs> yeah. You're with <far> quit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think I got the idea that my dream was, this was the idea in my head, when people would ask me, well, what's your kind of goal? What do you want to do? And even to this day when people ask me, I don't fucking know. I just say something, mm. you know. I don't feel like, especially the way I live my life now, what radio did give me, which was probably the shock of when I did lose my job the way I did that I had to kind of rejig my mind for, was you, you kind of, when you work in a job job, there's like a corporate structure. So you kind of think, oh, if I do this, then I get to do that and then I'll end up here. And I'll do that. And it's, like, easy to kind of go, oh, that's a goal. Yeah. And that's a structure I'll try and live my professional life to. But, like, at the time in radio, my idea of that was, fuck, what Husey and Tommy Little get to do is sick. I do a show in the afternoon, then I just go and do gigs. Mm. That would be the dream. If I can get that good at comedy. I realised early, like, the radio industry at the time really liked to honey dick you where they're like, yeah, man, if, but if you keep doing this for us, then, like, eventually we'll give you this job at this cool place. Mm. And then the job would come up and it would go to The Bachelor or the ex-reality TV person. Yeah, right. of so they, they string you along. Yeah, yeah, and it just keeps you in your place. And, and I saw it happen real bad with really talented people like my co-hosts at the time, uh, like Carly Porch, Laria Brophy, who uh, one still works in radio, another just works in media now, but – just really badly how they do it to them, and was it because they're women? Yes, but <laughs> but like they they really did that, mm-hmm. and I kind of had the realization where I was like, if I'm ever going to get anywhere in this to what I want to do, I need to be better at something other than radio mm. that then makes them, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, is this good comedian or yeah, good TikTok I, or whatever? I mean,
1: it must be frustrating for people that have worked their ass off to climb the ranks in mm-hmm. radio, right? When some uh, fuckwit off like uh, a reality show just swans in and gets a job that they've been working their whole life to try and get, but because they've got some profile from some shitty reality show, they they take they, yeah. take, they take
0: it, right? And, and, and I think it's not to say that everyone that does that is shit. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that everyone that's done it was shit. Just in my period of time, mm. 90% of the people that did it were fucking shit. Mm. Like they had some chick from The Bachelor go on and she had a book that was called How to Do Radio or some shit. And she posted it up online and I was like, what a spit in the face. To And she took like the female role of the Gold Coast show. Mm. And I was like, what a way to just spit in the face of every female talent you've got that you've been saying that I've heard in meetings constantly. Oh, if you keep doing this, you'll end up here. And all right, and you've got people who are working for five, six years or whatever. And you go, well, that sucks for them. And you can say it's because they didn't sit a certain brand or they wanted this kind of whatever. But it lasted fucking less than a year and they had to turf her and revamp the show again anyway. You know? yeah.
1: And in the meantime, these people that have been working their ass off feel yeah. unappreciated. And, and they're s- not getting a
0: pay rise. Yeah. And they're not like, yeah, and they're getting treated like shit. Like I've, some of the bosses that I've worked for have treated some of the, especially the women I worked with, some of them got treated so fucking badly because in regional, you've got old dogs. You got these old used car salesmen that have come to <laughs> sell fucking real estate agent cunts just working Rusted, sell it. rusted mate, on, mate. Honestly, disgu- Like a bit of like if they had their way, they'd be walking in slapping the women's ass on the way through, going, "Get me a coffee, toots." Like that kind of shit. Just there, you can see them trying to hold on, right? Like to mm. stop themselves from getting in trouble, and, <laughs> and, and and like and it was just tough. I was, I just saw that kind of happening, and that kind of disillusioned me with radio. And at the same time, I was doing like running this little tiny comedy club and having a lot of fun like bringing up comedians that I'd met early days because my first touch of comedy was I helped a mate of mine, Mitch Garling, run a gig uh, just fresh out of uni and I kind of met comedians. and I was like, oh, that's a really good job but I could never do it, you know. Um, so I started bringing acts up and that kind of got me going, oh, I could like, try and do this a bit better. And, um, and radio gave me a natural, I think, hosting ability so yep. it was like I kind of tapped into that and I had to host the events a lot because it was like who can just keep things moving. Yep. Um and and the beauty of doing it in Cairns is there was no established scene. So everyone just had to figure it out. So it was like everyone just did things yeah. a bit differently back then. Creating the was, rules for yourselves. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think it was something that I wish I could still tap into because I think it's kind of ironic. It's like, I mean, you'd kind of like I'd say I'm better now. So it's almost like the better I've gotten, the more self conscious I think I get about doing stuff if that makes sense no like, what are you talking about like I'll try and back then I'd just try I'd try anything you yep. have an idea and go I'm just gonna do it and yeah. then I just go and it's mm. kind of weird now I felt more weird. fearless then yeah I'm gonna <laughs> feel more fe- yeah exactly I was more fearless then than I am now
1: That's which is weird yeah
0: but but I, I don't know why that is I think maybe it's because my I have a taste mm. now and maybe I have an understanding of what's good and what's bad a bit better than what I did back then. Yeah, but like, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah. we spoke about this I think when we were hanging out in Melbourne and you yeah. were like, he said, he said, I'm a straight crusher, I do nothing but crush. <laughs> and I was like, keep that confidence, That's not baby. exactly how I said it. Keep but yeah. that same energy,
1: he tipped his hat, he had a cigar. <laughs> I think,
0: that
1: Did uh, you not get that? Like, you, you're you not, like. I, I think, yeah, but I, mean, I, I would agree that I was more fearless when I first initially started because I I guess I didn't know what I would talk about. And I, I still haven't really got an idea of what's funny. So you're trying anything to see what's funny. Yeah. But then I, I as I think I've gotten a sense of more of, like, what things seem to work, what what things I got to strike out with, I guess it's kind of slowly narrowed my view of what I would talk about, if that yeah, makes sense. Right. Or man, yeah, I'm talking out of, my, out of my ass, I don't, I don't know. There's just. That's wh- right, mate. we are two comedians on a podcast. That's when, what they do. When I do. When I was first. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, well, we're going to sit here and talk about
1: how about the process. <clears throat> how fucking amazing. <laughs> when I first went to Open Bikes, right, and it's just a bunch of, like, um, incels and young blokes that are just mm. sitting there just saying edgelord fucking material. The about, thing about trans women, yeah. mate. You know, <laughs> talking about abortions and yeah. whack and jacking off, and like you, you realize that people talk about this stuff because in an open mic room where it's mostly comics that have heard a lot of your shit, and also they're staring at their phone, barely listening, and it's no basically no audience other than other comics. <laughs> you know, it, it takes a lot to make these fuckers laugh, and so mm. you just start you start just saying the most insane things just to try and get any reaction out of the room, and that's not necessarily good training for um uh normal comedy in front of a proper audience but um that makes you i guess a bit fearless because you're like oh well barely anyone in this room is even listening to anything i say so Mm. fuck it i can say anything um but when but as you kind of progress you start doing it to normal audiences you start reining that in a bit in terms of just the insanity that may pour out of your mouth
0: yeah yeah i'd agree but how do you know which one's the insane thing and which one's the good thing until you say it into a microphone? I guess <laughs> I'll still go to
1: those open mics to test it out, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> it's the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you're yeah, in right. Cairns, and then when did um, when did the big the big incident happen? Uh, wh- wh- when I got fired for calling <laughs> a prime
0: minister a cunt. Mm. I got uh, four years into Cairns. Like I said, I was trying to do that com- comedy thing alongside stand up. Uh, Sorry, stand-up alongside radio. And I was kind of doing pretty well in terms of in the bubble of cans. And um, I weirdly just got a call and they were like, we want you to demo for Triple M down in Sydney, Central Coast. Uh, And I'd I'd always say yes to a demo because it's just a bit of fun. And I was like, all right, I did it. I did the demo. It was fine. So what does a demo look like? You just – They get you – so like what happened was Akmal, um, another comedian, Akmal Sali got – Akamo was leaving the Triple M Breakfast Show in Gosford. Yep. And what they do is they go and they demo a bunch of different people. So what they'll do is they'll go, all right, Hamo. either they might be like, come to the studio, do a segment, or off air, we'll just record like essentially like a podcast as if it's the radio show, and we'll see what your chemistry is like. Yep. And then they'll go from that to like next and then next level. So I did the chemistry thing and I did it. And to be honest, I was just kind of like, yeah, it was fine, whatever.
1: I'd done a few before. I was
0: mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter. How
1: do you do the chemistry thing? You're just on, on chatting to someone else? You just basically do a, a fake version of the radio show essentially. With, so with another person? Yeah.
0: So yeah. it would be like Mandy was the co-host yeah, and the producer was uh, Al and they'd just be like, all right, so what what topics have you got for today? Mm. And I'd go, yeah, boom, boom, boom. All right, well, we'll record these three. Sweet. And then we we'll record it. And then they just go and listen to it and the bosses decide if they want to go any further. I'd done a bunch of these. So like I said, like the honey dicking thing, it was like, all right, here's another one, whatever. Yeah. You thought uh, it would go nowhere. Yeah. But then it went to the next step. Then they flew me down to Sydney. They made me host the show for two days. And then uh, they were like, we want you to have the job. And I was going overseas at the time. So then the negotiations and the contract and shit happened. I actually said no to the job originally. I didn't want it. Um, I didn't really want to move. I was like, I've got a good thing going in Cairns. I get to travel down and do whatever I want to do and it's easy. Um, but then they kind of kept pushing. My girlfriend at the time really wanted to move to Sydney mm. uh, to be near her family. So then I eventually said, okay, I'll do it. I'll take the job. So I was in, I was on holidays overseas at the time because they make you use all your leave at the end of the year. So I said yes while I was overseas, came back, and they are like, all right, well, we need you here quick. So you need to come uh, Jan twenty seven, So day after the long weekend – uh, it was a Tuesday and they were like, you just need to get through the last week. Just do one more week on air, get in your car, get down here. We're ready to go. We've got a com sorted. Mm-hmm. So I was like, sweet, I'll shit this in. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, no worries, mate. It's For- easy. See you next Tuesday. Foreshadowing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I went on air. Um, did the, <laughs> did the show the Tuesday, like, so I got in on Monday, did the announcement. Hey, I'm going to be leaving. Um, next day we had, uh, Scott Morrison on, which was, he was the prime minister at the time. Yep. Uh, it was 2019. So he was prime minister, but he hadn't been elected. So he'd like, he'd knifed, I think I was right. Yeah. He'd knifed mm-hmm. previous prime minister. Um, we'd had him on before I went on holidays. So after he'd kind of taken the thing. And it was fine, to be honest. He's a fucking piece of shit. It was one of the worst politicians I have to deal with, um, regardless of what your view is. He's a fucking asshole. What, what made it difficult? Uh, so he was like had a, a female co- co-host, Carly, and he was like, I remember she asked him a question, and he quite literally raised his hand to her face, like like just went like this, and just turned and looked at me instead of kind of acknowledging, like kind of answering her question, but like to me that kind mm. of shit. And just like, was it really
1: dismissive and and um, just treating it like a non-person?
0: Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then even the way he talked to me, like off air while we we're getting ready to go in, and his media team were fucking annoying. Like they were just like, yeah, it was really frustrating. And um, coming onto a radio show after you've just knifed the prime minister to take the job, and not willing to say anything about the questions relating to it. Blew my mind. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you yeah, know? yeah. I was like, well, of course you're going to get asked these questions. <laughs> Don't talk to me like I'm a fucking idiot for <laughs> asking you these questions. Like,
1: how dare you ask about the yeah. biggest news in the country yeah, right now? Exactly. Anyway, he came What on was show. the situation? Where, where, how did you guys even get him on the show? Um, oh, well, it's the week leading up to
0: Australia Day mm. and he came on our radio show to announce <laughs> I believe it was $250,000 funding for an event that happens in Cooktown in North Queensland, which is the reenactment of Captain Cook's landing. <laughs> oh, that sounds yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound great. Yeah, it's not great. And it was a really tense. If I remember right, I think it was a pretty tense time in Cairns at the time. There was like a few hectic things that had happened. Like I think in, I think there was like some deaths in community, and there was also like a bit of a big like domestic violence issue going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I remember right, because you do like a chat. When you have a poly on, you kind of do a chat that's like, all right, here's a serious thing that you need to talk about and then here's the dumb, stupid thing. And um, we kind of did that that way as well. And I, th- I think, like, Ka- I think Carly pushed him on, oh, you're going to announce $250,000 in funding for a reenactment of Captain Cook's landing, but, uh, you know, X amount of people have been uh, assaulted and, uh, you know, killed or whatever by They've their partners. bigger issues. Yeah, This fucking... last six months because I think it was a big topic.
1: Yeah, we've got... But and bigger issues than yeah, Catherine Cook.
0: <laughs> and he really like was quite dismissive of it. And um and that kind of yeah, we got him a little bit annoyed, but we were just kind of doing the show, um the things kind of getting semi-filmed or whatever. And I was just drinking coffee as I do each morning. And um at the end of the chat what kind of happens is the they, they the media team make you just take like fuck like 50 photos with with the politician. Mm. so they can put something up on socials for what I believe is to make them look like they're human for a second, just to be like, oh, look, I hung out with the with the team. You know? Yeah. Just and, being a regular guy. Yeah, just a regular guy hanging out. <laughs> yeah. And I was like panelling the show because, again, I don't have a producer. So, like, they're doing that, a song's playing, I've got to keep things moving. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll duck in, take a photo, and I'll come back. And um, and then, you know, we're doing back and forth the photos and then I'm in the photo and I'm drinking my coffee and my mug happened to have uh, cunt written on it. Yeah. So like the handles the C, and then it's like UNT on the mug. Yeah. Uh, so just comedy gold. Uh, and it was an office mug. It wasn't my mug. Yeah. Office mug. But just one that you just drank
1: from. Use from it every time day. There was
0: another one that I think had arrows either side that said <coughs> I'm with these bitches or some
1: shit. And God, Deborah laughed hard at that one. But did you even when you were holding? Did you even uh, were aware that? Not at first. Yeah. And then I realized what I was holding. Yeah. And so
0: I decided to like turn the mug a bit and you can kind of tell in the photo like so what ended up happening was like I was in the photo with him holding a mug that had hadn't written on it yeah and he shared that photo where you could see the mug and see it can on all of his social media yeah um which I thought was quite funny and uh but it was the one photo of all the photos and you can tell because it's like I'm holding a mug like it's ins- on the flat of my palm. Ins- like no one holds a mug that way. You know, like no one's all like right. holds a mug displaying as they walking okay. around the office. All right, so I did have it by the handle. It hand was all. impossible.
1: It was impossible <laughs> to play it off as like just something that you weren't aware of, and it was no. just like a misunderstanding. No, yeah. in
0: that moment, I definitely knew uh, what I was doing. But there was <laughs> a, there was forty nine other photos that would have been me just being like, eh, yeah, no, I yep. would have
1: known. That would have been totally innocuous. Yeah, yeah but,
0: but you put it up. Uh, I kind of saw it. I kind of reshared the story, mm. um, and and I didn't even say anything mean. I just said, "Oh, this guy gets it," and that was it. Didn't think anything of it. Came back to work next day, no issue. No one even mentioned it. Just kind of like, oh, like, I think one person was like, "Oh, it's pretty funny." I said, "Yeah, it's pretty funny." Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of kept moving. Um, the Thursday came for me to finish up. Yep. Uh, finish up. So I said my goodbyes, um, did a little farewell on air, got in my car had all my life packed in my car, my dog in the passenger seat, my girlfriend, I still remember this, it was like, hey, babe, like really excited, you're going to head down there, get started, find us somewhere to live. I've just put in notice for my six-figure job to tell them that I'm leaving to follow you and your radio dream down to Sydney, how good's life? And I'm like, yeah, baby. We're doing it. Everything's coming up, Shad. Yeah. <laughs> it's all happening. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Finally yeah. the dream has happened. <laughs> Driving out of fucking cans. I'm walking on sunshine, <laughs> just thinking everything's like rosy. Yeah. And then uh I get to Mackay, which is nine hours south of Cairns, about nine hours north of Brisbane. So it's like right right in the middle. Yeah. And uh it was like an overnighter. So the hotel got up in the morning and I got a call from the boss. Old boss or new boss? The boss of content, essentially. For, for
1: for the Cairns Radio or for, for,
0: for- Southern Cross Austereo, so the company. So there's yep. like Southern Cross Austereo is in charge of Hit and Triple M and yep. he was one of the head of content guys. Mm. So what kind of happened for like a little bit of backstory, in the in the space between me getting the job and me and the cunt mug, <laughs> um, the guy that hired me who was like head of content ended up uh, getting dismissed or whatever, like they, mm. they downsized the position. So he left, so mm-hmm. the guy that hired me. Yeah. So now there was like an empty vacuum and other people started filling into that role and the guy, his name's Mickey. I, I name him in the bit anyway so it doesn't fucking matter. Mickey Mars his name. But he did, I do remember this phone call. After I got the job, I was told by the manager at the time to give him a call and say, hey, thanks because he was in charge of regional so he's essentially in charge of me. And I remember ringing him and going, hey, I just want to say, you know, thanks for, you know, helping me out and getting the job because it is like a team decision. And he was like, hey, you weren't my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like and, and said it like not in joking. Like, yeah. It was like, well, you weren't my first choice but, you know, like.
1: Whatever. Yeah,
0: got any Other people make the decision. And I was like, wow, okay, well, I guess I'll just go fuck myself then. And then uh, he gives me a call. So that same guy gives me a call uh, when I was on my way out of Mackay. It was like 8 a.m. And he's like, I need you to come into the Mackay office because in the process of that night the, the pitcher had done the rounds on Twitter. Mm. So someone shared it, started getting comments. People within SCA were commenting on it, like prominent hosts like Ash London at the time and um like yeah, just those, those kinds of people. Were they saying it was funny? What were yeah, they saying? Just yeah. saying, how good's this? Yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't know because I I didn't really use Twitter. I just had an account, but I never used it. Yeah. Um and then I like I was like, Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> like, I don't know. Mm. And then um, yeah, he rings me at 8 a.m. and he's like we need you to come into the Mackay office. And I was like, Oh, does this have anything to do with the mug? Mm. And he was like, Well, just come into the office, like, we need a chat. And I'm like, Oh, fuck, here we go. Like, what's mm. gonna happen here? Um So I go, I drive to the Mackay office and it's early in the morning. So like I pull out out the front. I still remember because I had a manager at the time that like I I only picked up the manager because I said, If you were if you get me X amount of money, I'll sign with you. that was it because the the negotiations. So he's like, I know him. Just roll with it. I'm sure you're going to be fine. (laughs) Does this manager know what he's doing? Yeah. Well, he he used to be in that role. So I was like, okay, well, this should be fine. He goes, just take your hits, you know, offer to take unpaid, whatever. I was like, that's fine. So I go into the meeting. I was still fucking nervous. And I remember I walked into the meeting and I told this story on stage, but – I, get, I pull out the front I get my dog out of the car because I'm not going to leave her in the car.
1: Hmm.
0: So I, got, I take her up into the office and I remember there was – wasn't even really a s- reception lady. It was just kind of empty and then someone was wondering in the background like, oh, yeah, you've got it like in the boardroom. So I like walk with my dog into the boardroom and I remember I walk into the boardroom and there's a lady sitting at the end of the table and it's kind of like a longer kind of table and there was a TV screen on the wall and it had the guy, Mickey, was on there. And they're like, take a seat. And I sit down. And and I remember them going, oh, this is, I I don't know what her name was, like Sharon or something. And they're just like, oh, she is here as your support person. Mm. And I was like. Fuck.
1: fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, because yeah. anytime the support person's yeah. pulled out, it's yeah, immediately yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm copping a bullet right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, because it's not like she's there to be like, yeah, she's just a big fan of the joke. I just thought you guys should meet. Cause she's she's got fan, a cut mug too. I like, thought you guys, yeah, it's nice you met. Anyway, pack up <laughs> your shit. See you down on t- Tuesday.
1: Yeah. You know, fuck. just quick
0: stopover. I just wanted to have a laugh with you. And, uh, heavy.
1: and you've got your dog there with you. My dog's in there with me. You should have said, this is my support person. Yeah, yeah, I I need you, lady.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I, yeah, sat down there at the end of the table and I just, I remember they like, they do like the stuff where they ask you, like, what happened? And they're like, premeditate. They try to push this idea that it was premeditated. Like, oh, you, so you planned this. Who was, whose idea was it? Like, they asked me shit like that. Like, I'm going to throw some people under the bus. And
1: I was like, no,
0: there wasn't a plan.
1: It was a, it was a mug that just sat in the office and yeah. happened to be in your hand and then you thought, oh, yeah. well, this would be funny, I'll put it on my palm just it's, so they can see the word cunt. That's pretty much
0: exactly how I described it. Yeah. And, and it was like, I was like, no one planned it. I was like, there wasn't but, any meeting or anything.
1: They make, they're trying to make it sound much more malicious because yeah. then they feel better about yeah. fucking you. And you.
0: Uh, and, and I was like, I, I don't know what you meant. Like this wasn't a planned gotcha or anything. I was like, you can listen to the chat. Like I talked about some dumb shit with the Prime Minister, of course. Get up me for being rude in that, sure, but like, there was no kind of yeah, you're a like it was none of that. Mm. Uh, but I was like, yeah, it's just a mug. Just, and they go, Who, whose is it? And I was like, it's the office. It's in your it's in your office. Mm. Like, it's just your mug. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what you should, like. What you want from me? But then they're like, have you got anything to say for yourself before we kind of decide what we're gonna do? And I said, yeah. And I was apolog- like, I was kind of apologetic because I was sitting there going, fuck, I got like. Misses to think of, my family. Yeah, your, like Yeah, your you know, whole money. future on the line. Yeah. And I was just like, look, guys, like, you know, like, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, but you know, wh- whatever you need me to do to kind of smooth it over, I'm happy to do. And I actually said to him, I said, look, I'll, I'll take unpaid leave. Like, I'll, I won't be paid for like a month. Like, just yeah. keep me off air if you want it to be like that until it dies down or whatever. Like, I'll just, I won't, just won't take any pay. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to do that. Whatever you need, you need me to do a statement, whatever. Like, I'm happy. And I was quite apologetic, not how I am now. <laughs> but uh, And then, the, like, the TV just kind of goes and deliberates.
1: And then I remember he came back and I still remember the he said it. Was there seen. other people, like, sitting in the room with him? Wh- no, just him. Just him. It, it, was, it, it was just him.
0: It was quite literally just him in, like, an office, like yeah. just like a Zoom call. Yeah. Um. And he went away. And the deliberation, I remember, wasn't even that long. Like, because anything in that moment you know would feel like ages. Mm-hmm. And that didn't even feel like ages. Yeah. So
1: I was like, well, this wasn't long at all. No.
0: Already, <laughs> like, okay, you know, in re- like, in real terms, I was, I was back on the road by nine o'clock. <laughs> like, he,
1: he, he could have said anything. To, you could have said anything to him and he still would have no, um, had the was, same. It idea. was
0: already done. Yeah. I was already done for the job. So part.
1: how do you phrase it? <laughs>
0: he comes back on the screen and he goes, you fired, cunt. You embarrass the CEO, you embarrass the company. And you embarrass the Prime Minister, you're fired
1: effective immediately. Mm. Uh, And then (laughs) 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 Um, I think that the Prime Minister Scott Morrison has had a lot more things to be embarrassed about than a a fucking novelty mug. Right? He's he's a novelty mug, if you know what I mean. (laughs) We're getting
0: political. Uh, Now, yeah, he said that and like it, when I do the bit on stage, I'm like, the TV turned off. But there was one other thing that happened after that chat because I, 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 I was like, fuck, you know, and i have been yeah. working around here for eight years. I'd worked for ten years to try and – well, I'd been doing two years prior to try and
1: get there. That must have hit you like a ton of bricks.
0: Yeah, it was fucked. I was just like,
1: F- like, fuck.
0: And then I was like, surely, surely there's something I can do. No, there's not like right. And I was like, mate, what like? And I said to him, I remember I said to him, I said, Mickey, I've worked for you. Mm. Like he's been my boss, essentially, like top of the food chain, coving. Kind of so I've worked for you in this company for four years. And I'd won, I'd never lost a radio survey in Cairns. In fact, mm. like I'll say it, I fucking dominated the shows I was in. And obviously, my co hosts were a part of that. We, we had. The best show in the market by far. Mm. We build way more money. They won so many more things on the back of our show. I was like, you know I can do the fucking job and you know how good I am at this gig. Like, don't just leave me out. And I was just said, don't leave me on the fucking streets of Mackay. Yeah. Cause <laughs> cries <the> shit off. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, don't leave me on my fucking Mackay. He's like, no, nah, that's the decision. He goes, you'll be given, uh, he goes, we've decided we'll give you a, a night's nice accommodation in Mackay while you figure your stuff out. And you'll have access to a psych. And then I was annoyed. Um <laughs> and then I was like, Yeah, I, I don't know if I said this to Mickey or the fucking other guy that rang me afterwards. Cause they like they got people I knew to ring me afterwards because they had the realization, I reckon, that fuck, this guy's driving a car mm. nine hours from anywhere he's from. He's just packed up his life in cans. Where's he gonna go? Right. Yeah. And they started getting people that I knew within the company and management roles. To, to try and soften me. the
1: blow, right? Just to just ring trying- a check on me. Yeah. Right?
0: Mm. And uh, and <laughs> I remember I said, I was like, I don't need your fucking sight because you're worried I'm gonna hang myself in the bathroom. But like <laughs> so the TV turns off, and it's just me and my support person. <laughs> and I remember she goes Was she any was she any help? Well, good on you, Sharon. Um she I remember goes Oh, I'll go get you a glass of water because there's no water on the table, <laughs> which you'd think would be the first thing you'd fucking do. And then she, like, leaves and all I think in my head is, like, yeah, that's what's going on right now. Yeah. I'm not freaking out because my life's falling apart. I'm just a little bit parched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These he's tears, a, yeah, is a little bit he's parched. He's a thirsty boy. <laughs> yeah. So she leaves the room. Yeah. And my dog, who has been watching this whole ordeal, I've mm. pushed back the chair, man. I'm like this. Like, head down, you know, trying not to cry because I'm just like, well, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to tell my partner? Like mm. my uh, family live on the Central Coast as well. I'm like, this is going to be fucking embarrassing for them. Like what, what are we going to do? I've got no money because they've made me use all my leave and shit. Like mm. i got nothing. I've got nowhere to live. Yeah. Um, and it's all kind of hitting me. And then my dog, <laughs> I remember she goes to lick me on the side of the face and I'm like, get out of here, sliver. And she goes to the corner of the room and does a shit on the carpet, <laughs> and, and and in that moment
1: that seems quite poetic. Yeah,
0: in that moment, I, this is no lie. I got up and I went, good girl. I grabbed her lead and I left
1: <laughs> with the dog shit.
0: I just left on the carpet. Like and and the lady came back, but I wasn't there. Like yeah. I just I just walked out. I was like, you know, what? like when that happened, I was like, fuck this place, yeah. and I just I got out. I got in my car that was parked out the front and I just fucking noped the fuck out of Mackay. Yeah. And. Uh, they
1: took a shit on your life and. Yeah. And you took a shit. <laughs> your, yeah. dog, your dog took a shit Man. back on them right back at them. It's,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny like because I tell that story like on stage and like obviously like, you know, you cut bits out and you bridge it up because it's, you know, to be a comedic story. But the, the part the part afterwards was like. It was hard. Like it was pretty hard. I know it's like a lot of people had a lot of worse stuff, but it's like and there's something about losing your gig that and, – and it's like I've heard a lot of other people talk about this when they have to move out of a certain life. Like I don't know if you had people like talking about leaving. the Like I, w- I work, as you know, like with some people you've spoken to, like, like Simo, like Brent Simmons and stuff, that leave a criminal life and then go into like normal life and there's like it's that similar type of thing where you've got to go, oh, that part's gone. And you've got to figure out, what do I do now? And you realize, holy shit, that like part, that radio thing was embedded. I didn't realize how much it was embedded in my personality. Like it was just who I was. And it was, I I worked in radio again. I ended up picking up some work not too long after, like after about six months or something uh, in Brisbane and that's how I ended up moving there. I had to go and do comedy shows at the Adelaide Fringe where I didn't even know where I was living. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, and like that's not a moneymaker either. <laughs> but I had a lot of people come though, because it's a cut mug story came out. But but it was um it was rough, man. That drive back was like
1: brutal. And how did your partner take it? Oh she'd quit her job as well. Yeah.
0: She oh. she was at the time, like she was actually kind of cool. She was just like, I remember she said on the phone. She wasn't overly sympathetic because <laughs> she kind of thought it was a dumb idea to the mug. Um, sure, but, like, was, does the punishment fit the crime? I don't I, know. I don't think so. I don't think so either, I don't think man. so when the same network, you know, let the great man Kyle Sandilands do the things that he's done and he went to bat for me on the breakfast show the next day because any chance for him to badmouth SCA was mm. fantastic. And Oh, so he came to do def- defence? Yeah, like he just went on his breakfast show and said how fucked they were for turfing me for, for doing it and – um, but yeah, it's like, it definitely didn't fit the crime, but her her reaction was, well, you can't come back here
1: mm.
0: because, and I think it was like nice cause it was like a motivating thing. We're moving on to the next step of life. Yeah. But there was also an element in my head where I was kind of like, yeah, but she wanted to move to Sydney mm. and then we didn't end up going there. We ended up moving to Brisbane anyway. And then that relationship fell apart, but it, it was like, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was rough, man. That drive down, you're like, you're furious, then you're upset, and they're like it's just like back and forth. I'm like, these fucking bastards, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: you'd be going through all the emotions, you know. Yeah.
0: And I'm like- a pretty emotional person. <laughs>
1: but um yeah, it was it was
0: uh it was funny. So then me and my dog just fucking couch surfed for like about a month or so.
1: <laughs> I went to gigs though. Yeah. And that must have felt oh yeah. Bombed Why? so hard. Because you were just you were too much in oh. your own head. Yeah, yeah. I got know.
0: I got to Brisbane, partied for the weekend. Mm. My mate was like, "Turn your phone off," because I had all the like, daily mail and people like that trying to ring me for a comment. I look back on that time and I'm like, I was listening to the wrong people that time. Maybe,
1: yeah.
0: Where they were like, "Don't say anything. We'll try and get you another radio gig. Like whatever." Instead of writing it, instead of really digging in. Yeah, you know. And I think True. like I, I think back to that. I'm like, I wonder if I would have
1: given myself a leg up or a. More profile, Fucker. you know. Yeah, I don't know. There's plenty of guys that seem to be in radio that, like, mm. you know, ha- just have the profile as being a, a dickhead, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. <laughs> you need to become a bigger dickhead. And I don't be like, have it in me, though, because of how much it rocks Become like. a bigger dickhead and they'll be calling you, mate. Like, we need you on the radio now. Yeah.
0: You know what? I did have a, a company called Inappropriate Mug Co. got in touch with me and were like, <laughs> we want to sell the cut mug. <laughs> I was like, cool, man. Like, yeah. But, it was, yeah, I remember it was it was rough. It was a rough little, like, period of trying to figure out what I was doing, but
1: the radio dream. And yeah. I got back into it for a bit, but then – So what do you do um, for a day job now in, in addition to comedy? Uh, I just, like, work in, like, uh, editing for um, – I work for
0: mates. Funnily enough, I work for the guy who gave me a job at Nova after I got sacked. Oh,
1: so you're working in pod- podcasting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah so yeah. I got hired
0: by a guy at Nova who was like – you're the kind of guy for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool.
1: And then. Do you enjoy that? It seems uh, from my interactions when I was doing um, The Clink, yeah. uh, it sounds like you, you seem I enjoy it, right?
0: The, yeah. I mean, you know what I like about it is I can travel. I can do it from anywhere. Yep. And I think what, what that getting fired thing forced me have to do, especially when I moved to Brisbane, was like I had to do something. Yep. So, I'd like, I drove Uber and then I met, like, the guys that were starting Good Chat at the time, like the comedy club in Brisbane. yeah. And, like, started doing some stand-up there and met some people there and uh, really just started gigging mm. and, and, like, learning to be a bit, you know, better, I guess. And uh, and then that kind of meant I started making a little bit of money because I could MC, and then it just – that became more of my life. Yeah. And I was like, this is actually really fun. And, like, even when my relationship kind of fell apart because I was probably leaning more into, like, I want to do the comedy side of thing rather than get the desk job and earn – Money,
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a hard conversation to have. It's a hard conversation
0: to have when yeah. she wants to, you know, get married and have kids. Uh, <laughs> but that, uh, that finished up pretty quickly, yeah. Um, but that kind of made me get, yeah, more into that. And I started having a lot more positive moments on the back of comedy more than
1: anything else. Are you happier now than you were when you were working radio? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this because people go, oh, do you regret it? I get asked that, like, oh, do you regret it? Mm. And back then I probably would have said, like, the money, for those that are probably wondering, was it was $110,000 was if, the contract. For the, the Gosford gig? The Gosford gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was one hundred and dollars year with I think, if I remember right, I probably have it in an email somewhere, but the potential for like twenty. Extra K or something in bonuses. Yeah. So it was going to be the most amount of cash I'd ever made for doing radio. Yeah. Because in Cairns, I it spent I spent three years just to get 50K a year. Yep. Plus bonuses.
1: So, yeah, it was finally going to be a proper living. So it was like a proper living. It was your future. Yeah. Was, yeah.
0: And it was fucked because then then I one went stupid
1: to, novelty mug. Yeah, yeah. And then I
0: think my tax return for the year afterwards was um, uh, $37,500.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> but like, you know- I, I think the um, yeah, the other thing as well is when you go, were you happier back then? I was in my early twenties back then. Mm. Well, like, well, actually, I was thirty when I did the mug. But yeah. I'd say I'm, I'm definitely feel like I'm doing the thing I like more now. Yeah, because I think about the idea of going back to radio, and since then, the people that have like did have made those decisions aren't there anymore. And the irony is that I um, just the other week got booked to do a gig for Triple M <laughs> in Brisbane yeah. for what they call the Legends Lunch, yeah, which is where they get all the footy players in. Everyone leaves their phones outside, and they tell all these cooked stories from back in the day (laughs) that no one should hear. And they get a comedian to do ten minutes in the middle.
1: How many hours are they doing for that show? That must be a lot of stories.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. all of them seem to have to do with cocaine, I've noticed. But um, and a lot of CTE in that room. But there was, uh, I got asked to do the gig, and I was like, do they know (laughs) that? It's me that's yep. supposed to be doing this thing. And uh, a few of the people I know that still work in radio and stuff, because I've still got mates that work in the industry. And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, like we know, but I don't know if everyone knows. Mm. And like, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to tell the story? And I was like, of course I'm going to tell the fucking story. <laughs> so I got up on stage, and I was probably it was only a couple of weeks ago. It was probably one of the most cathartic gigs I've ever had. You're at a triple
1: M. You're at a triple, I'm M, at a M, event. triple M. Event. You're getting paid to be there. I'm getting
0: paid to be there, and
1: you're telling a story where you rip on and triple I, M.
0: And I rip shreds off triple M. For <laughs> sacking me for calling the prime minister a cunt. Oh, that is- and I was like, full circle, baby. This is fucking mad. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could die a happy man. Oh, after and that. I was like, you know what? It's, we're even. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, mate. That must have felt so good. You've come full mate, circle. It was so
0: good. It was so good. They haven't paid me yet.
1: Fuck it. <laughs> you got the conversation you needed for your soul, brother. I know, That's right? In right. it?
0: But, yeah, so I'd say that at that moment I was like I'm fucking happy now, you know, but I did learn a bit. I don't know if you need to get serious on this podcast or what, but I did learn that, like, it was one of the more trying things Situations of your life to try and, I mean, you've gone through it, you've had to mm. rebuild.
1: How did yeah. you kind of because I feel like I've just been talking non stop in this podcast? That's what that's how it works. Okay, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you just you, 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 I find you, you find when you go through shit just how resilient you are, you know, that mm. you, you can, you can weather the storm. Um, yeah, and it's, it's not fun to go through, but, um, yeah. You get, you get through it and uh, you find a way to be happy and you're like, oh, okay, it's not the end of the world, you know. It just seems like that at the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's – it definitely, like, echoes um, – I mean, how long have you been out? Uh, about 19,
1: 20 months now.
0: Oh, right. So, yeah. what, like, that
1: first year mm. – because I know you said at the top about how, like, we were talking
0: and when you were, like, uh, talking about wanting to get into stand-up. And I remember you used to message me, mm. but it would mostly be, like, clips – or memes? <laughs> and I remember I'd say to my mate Nick, I was like, you hey, know this message to me, Hammer? He's like, oh, was he in prison? I was like, is that why he's only sending me memes and videos? Like, is that all he can get out of prison? Because I didn't know you were out. I was like, is this guy sneaking a phone and sending me memes from prison? What a risk. Yes. <laughs> like, imagine if that was the only reason I managed to smuggle a phone in, just to send Shad Wicker some cool funny memes. memes. I hope they were good ones. But, uh, but like uh, like in that first 12 months when you were out, mm. Like were you – obviously very different extremes. You went to prison. I just lost a job. But <laughs> did you have like a thing where you're like, what am I – like what do I do?
1: No, nah, I, I knew uh, as you soon as out, out, I, I was going to do comedy. I just uh, – I, I guess because you had the trial by fire and a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just knew – I I, knew I had a, a, an idea of how the pieces of the puzzle would come together and then I – I got out, I started training, got fit, looked after my mind, read books, and then once my bail rules started to relax a bit more and I was able to leave the house, I started doing comedy and um, did it nonstop ever since. Um, But I just, yeah, there was something in me that just told me this this is the plan.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we better wrap it up because I've got to get you to do your show. Yeah, I should probably get to um, this gig. Well, um, I'm glad. I think it was good to finish with you being able to do the show for Triple M, right? Because yeah, that seemed yeah. like a, a, way to, a nice little way to... Full bow. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> look, we'll have to get you on another time to hear um, some of your other, time, your other stories about times sure. when shit's gone sideways. But, Chad, thank you very much for coming on. Absolute pleasure, mate.
0: Shit's Gone Sideways. <laughs>